Welcome to episode three of No Coaster Needed. I'm Jacob McCourt. This show is about casual conversations between people of different ages, backgrounds, and from different walks of life. My hope is that the show feels like two friends catching up at a pub with a drink. It's a pub, so you don't need a coaster. Get it? The entirety of the first season of the show is about people with ties to the Rose City, people with ties to Windsor, Ontario. On today's show, I sat down with Nuha LLM. She is a Windsor-based filmmaker and photographer who at 24 already has credits for The Card, The Tiger Hunter, and others under her belt. We recorded this episode in the basement of my house. On today's show, we talk about her move from Libya to Canada at a young age, working on her first projects, going to Los Angeles for the first time, moving on to bigger projects, and all of the anecdotes in between. This is No Coaster Needed. Intimate conversations with incredible people. As we start, so you're a young filmmaker, uh, a photographer in the city of Windsor, uh, but you weren't born in Windsor. You were born in Libya, in Tripoli. Mm -hmm. Um, When did you uh, immigrate to Canada? I think it was 1995, so I think I was around two years old, um, and we came to Toronto. I think the story behind going to Toronto, it wasn't even like um, a super big decision. My dad, when he decided to immigrate, he had literally just saw the word like Toronto in a textbook and he was like okay let's go there because he had the choice of going to Montreal or like I think even other countries like my dad was choosing between like Australia Germany um I don't think he ever considered the states but it was just like this gamble of like okay wherever Mm -hmm. and he saw the word Toronto in a textbook he's like I recognize that name let's go there (laughs) and what does your dad do my dad's a thoracic and general surgeon and your mom my mom, she studied to, uh, as a gynecologist mm-hmm. and she worked here for a little bit, but then she decided to leave her job just to kind of raise us. And you, how many brothers? You have one brother. Do you have I any have sisters? one older brother and two younger sisters. What was it like growing up uh, in the city of Windsor once you finally got to Windsor from Toronto? Um, it was a culture shock for me because I think Toronto is great. Um, it's really hard to raise kids in Toronto, I think, because we lived literally two blocks away from um, Dundas Square. So, and for like my entire childhood, that's what I knew. And I went to this private Islamic high school or middle school all like, and up until that time, and we would travel up to Scarborough just to get there every single day. So that's all I knew. And I, and I thought like, and that was a very kind of, I wouldn't say like an extreme school, but you know, they definitely had rules and it was just weird because coming here, I realized there's a lot more to like my culture and like my faith considerably, like considering that this is like a smaller town, you would think that it would be more strict, but there was such a big sense of community here that I am so grateful that my parents brought us here, even though, trust me, I was mad when we came here. I was so (laughs) angry because I had these plans to, um, go to Ryerson. It was literally just down the block from me. And it was just like this dream of mine to just go to school there and pursue film. And then suddenly it became like a reality that I just couldn't do that anymore. Just because my parents were, 
you know, I'm pretty strict about me going, like leaving, leaving my house to live like outside of my house for university. And what was the, what was the thing that inspired you uh, to go into filmmaking? You said you wanted to go to Ryerson. You ended mm -hmm. up going to the University of mm -hmm. Windsor. What was there an event growing up that caused you to say, Hey, this is what I want. So you hear a lot about people saying I've wanted to be a filmmaker since I was like five years old or 10 years old. And I've, literally one of those people who decided I think I was like 20 when I was like I think I want to do film and not because it suddenly just came to me but I knew that I was a huge movie buff and I loved every single part of like creating a story and putting it through like the visual form but um it's very hard to admit that to yourself when you're like you know the daughter of Muslim immigrants who are doctors like it's so hard and I know a lot of people hear about this but people have to have to understand that my parents were so supportive of me choosing that even though they were like okay you need to like figure yourself out but they were super supportive like I have friends who were not allowed to pursue that at all to the point where they're like I'm not helping you pay for education but you're not allowed to go work you just have to study so for me it was like okay, how can I break this to them? So what I did was I decided to apply to the visual arts program and also get a minor in bio. And slowly but surely, I obviously hated the minor in bio. I hated it. So I slowly but surely just started like not doing that. And then eventually my mom would just kind of sometimes look at me and she's like, what are you, are you still doing that? And, and it was like, just like, you know, like not ripping off the band-aid, but like ripping it real slow. So I don't, I don't know. I kind of felt like very free at some point where I said, I, like the first time I ever said I want to be like a director was I think I was like 21, which is like super late in other people's terms, but it's hard to admit it to yourself too, just saying it out loud in front of your friend. So in university, mm -hmm. um, you ended up making uh, your first film about the Muslim community that you mentioned earlier um, with one of your friends, Asil Musa. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? So we were approached by um, a family friend of Asil's. And basically he was just like, we just want this um, short documentary that kind of highlights the history of the Muslims of Windsor and like how kind of our community grew from that. And uh, it was meant to be screened at this Muslim appreciation dinner that happened, I think, every year. Or maybe that was the first year they were doing it. And they originally actually approached um, someone from CBC to make this documentary. And I think because they didn't have much funding, the, the person just couldn't do it. So they approached us as students. And um, we ended up really kind of learning a lot from that experience because not only was it about making a film, but it was about making a film about something that was a lot bigger than we were and something that we didn't we had no clue about the things that we were going to write about and like film about so it wasn't just an educational experience in terms of the history but just as a filmmaker it was it was such a test for us and we still kind of reference that as like the starting point of maybe like all the problems and all the things we've ever like learned, it started from there. It sounds like the best part-time job that you could ever get. Yeah, it is. So moving forward, mm -hmm. um, while you were in university, you had the opportunity to work on a film called On Girls. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us a little bit about that short film, what it was about? So that short film, it's about this girl who decides 
um i think she gets pregnant and she um isn't married or anything she's quite young and she's kind of like in this panic and she wants she goes to this abortion clinic and obviously doesn't want to get rid of her baby she calls her boyfriend a few times he doesn't answer the phone and the whole film was about like how girls that's why it's called on girls is because at the end of the day stuff like that it's always ends up being on the girl for example like taking the pill like the i think i think at some point in the film it's mentioned that you know he didn't wear a condom and it was just about this like this like controversy that girls are at the end of the day whether they decide to keep their babies or what when they get pregnant at the end of the day it's really just on the girl that the responsibility lies on so um that's kind of like what the film is about and it's it's a very um it's one of the films that i think i'm most proud of because of the people that i worked with mostly um kim nelson and she's just like this incredible storyteller and she's so passionate and she normally does documentaries so it was such an honor to work with her on a narrative film and so she has several feature length uh films under Mm -hmm. her belt um and looking into the film what was cool is that fitting with the theme of the film most of the cast and crew involved in the film were actually women is it commonplace for the entire cast and crew or most of the cast and crew to be women no you know that yeah we all know that it's so not common but something that why i love kim nelson um, is it, she decided to have a mostly female crew um, for many reasons, but one of them was that, you know, it's very important to be inclusive, but at the same time, like, I can understand if that might look like, oh, like, only women can be on the crew, and that wasn't the case. It actually started off with a lot of men were actually on the crew. Then it actually, through the pre-production meetings, I think it just turned into... Um, I think uh, the like the main actress Monica Sanborn she was I think she was like maybe it's best that I do some of the scenes with just women in the room just because there was like a birthing scene and it was very intense Um, and then it just kind of turned into this like this beautiful project because I feel like women in general there there's like this camaraderie with us on set where we're there for literally 16 to like 20 hours sometimes i think there was a day where i was there from like like maybe seven in the morning and and then we left at like three in the morning it was so crazy but somehow we all kind of stuck together and 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 it's like that on normal cruise as well but there's definitely a sense of camaraderie when it comes to working with women women on set what was uh you alluded to the vibe a little bit on set but but what was it like, you know, those 16, 20 hour days mm-hmm. to be on set for this film that is only a 15 minute film? It is. Yeah. Uh, but what was the vibe and how long was the shoot? So the shoot, I think, was two weekends. So literally four days. Um, fun fact, I was fasting for those that entire time. So it was, it was Ramadan. It was Ramadan. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. And I think uh, she was on that film as well with me. And she worked as a script supervisor. And I think on like one of the days, like it got really, really crazy for us. But the vibe on set was like this team just wanted to make this thing because we knew like how passionate um, Kim Nelson was about mm-hmm. the story. Because she had written the script years and years ago when she was like... I think in in university. So she, I think bringing her story to life, 
I'm not sure, but I think she's never done a narrative before that or one like this. So for that, for us, it was, it was like this, we were all so committed and it did not feel like work. Honestly, it did not feel like work. We were there. It was so much fun. Everybody just felt so good. You worked on On Girls, Mm -hmm. but before and after On Girls, um, you and your friend Asil, who you've mentioned throughout, uh, worked on your first short film Mm -hmm. kind of at the head. Uh, It was called The Card. Can you tell us about that movie? So The Card is about, um, it's a very small story about a businesswoman who walks into this cafe and she's super busy. She's She has this huge like deal transaction to uh, make and um, she's kind of like walking down the street. It starts off with like this really classic like walking down the street shot and um, she's clearly yelling at to someone on the phone and um, she walks into the, into the cafe, orders her food, sits down and then right when she's about to make the transaction, she pulls out her wallet and finds out her card was missing even though that she just used it at the counter so the movie is basically about her trying to find her card and um circumstances lead to her believing that somebody stole her card while they were actually trying to help her find it again and it kind of like just talks about it's not really so much about um discrimination or anything like that it's more about just taking a second in your life to just breathe and look around and not just assume things so quickly and it's it's a six minute film that can be viewed online now. Mm-hmm. Um, now you were the producer and the AD on the film. Yes. Um, and Asil uh, wrote it. Was also a producer mm-hmm. um, and also was one of the stars of the yes. movie. Yes. And she directed it. And she directed it too. Yes. Yes. So what was the process of that uh, film coming together? Like what what was that like? Did you do the casting as well? Uh, so yeah we did it all kind of together just because as producers I think it was so important for us to be on the same page so um, I think that was probably like till this day my best experience working on a film because um, when you're when you're producing something um, you really want your team to feel like they're on the same page but not only that you want them to feel like they're they're contributing something right so how do people produce things like in like you know in twos for example like the how does like that's not very common maybe in bigger movies they are but like in short films especially a six minute film it's kind of like maybe you you might think it's excessive but uh, honestly like we kind of the way it worked was so perfect i think she really we both had like creative input um but it's her story and she really wanted it to come to life and she has this person who knows her really well and knows that she like I can keep her accountable to make the story as authentic as it can be. So that dynamic was amazing because we were working on it literally all the time. Like I think we had never been closer <laughs> before. <laughs> like at some point we we're just like like I just we need a break from like just each other and then like we need we need a break from this film. But the way it worked is that it started with the pre-production was so stressful because we put a deadline on this on starting production and we needed to make it before like fall basically because the weather would get so ridiculous here so Mm -hmm. um so i think we had like two months of pre-production which is insane just because of what we wanted to do and then um bringing on the crew we first brought on our cinematographer lana oppen and she is incredible she was such a valuable member of our team everybody was and then we brought on Maria Cusumano 
as you know, and she uh, edited the film. She was also our DIT. And she also colored the film. Um, and there, slowly but surely, we just brought on more and more crew. And then it came down to casting. And that happened, oh my goodness. I think that's maybe the most stressful thing we've ever done, is casting the, for this short film like maybe two weeks before we were doing production. It's in insanity. And Bridget, our main actress, the way we came upon her, like we were literally doing callbacks and we hadn't even like met her yet. And then she she was like, can I just come to the callbacks? She couldn't make to the first round of, of auditions. And at that point, we had like two two people that we were like, maybe we'll pick one of these ladies. And then Bridget came and literally me and Asila just looked at each other in the audition room and were like, she is Karen. Like she is our she is our Karen. And it was so really like just such a relief to find somebody that was like not just perfect for the role but she took direction so well and we were just so grateful for her and then production happened it was a crazy weekend we started on friday we finished sunday and our crew is like incredible i mean i can't even speak enough about them they're like the most hard-working people our lighting people, like our lighting department, our gaffers and best boys, they were incredible. They were working for so long to light the place because basically in filmmaking, usually what you do is you light a setup, you film, and then you relight, you film. But for this specific thing, that we decided to light the thing, the the whole set, like from the very beginning, and then just shoot because we didn't we didn't have a lot of time. So they had to work for I think eight hours on the first day just to light the place, and it was. It was just incredible. This is throughout, or did they have to light it? Like, did they light it at the beginning and just stuck around to kind of make sure it was okay? They, yeah. So they stuck around because, you know, at some point they did have to come in and kind of fix some things for the close-ups and things like that. But for the most part, they they just worked their butts off in the first eight hours of production. And then um, the location that we were working at, I mean, the owner is, um, his name is Marius, and he owns Bruin Bros on Walker Road in Windsor. And... He's incredible. Like, I don't, I, I think everything that came together for this film was like, it felt like a miracle because it always came like, it, it, like it came to us last minute and it felt, we were felt so blessed. And then we we're just like, how do we even have this? Like how, how, how? And then like with the crew as well, like people that would agree to work with us were, cause honestly, like we're not that naive. Like we're sitting there, we're like, we're two like girls that didn't go to film school basically so we don't know anybody really in the film community i knew them because i had worked on stillwater and then on girls so i was able to bring in the crew like that but like i felt like why would these people work with us they don't know us they don't trust us you're listening to no coaster needed this is a conversation with nuha llm a windsor-based filmmaker and photographer if you like what you've heard so far consider a five-star review on itunes it helps a lot so the card came out and started to open doors for Nuha. And the film was recognized. Mm -hmm. um, one, uh, you guys got an honorable mention at the One Reeler short film competition. Uh, but there were screenings, if I'm not mistaken, in Toronto, Edmonton, and L.A., yes, right? Yes, yes. Did you go to those screenings? So we went to all of them besides Edmonton. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was an incredible experience, I'll tell you that. Um, obviously, we were like if it gets anywhere in LA, we're going to go. Right. And that was, that was a crazy five days because we decided to go for five days because we, we kind of had some connections there 
And we were like, let's just set up meetings every day. And literally our entire trip was me and Asil waking up in the morning in our Airbnb in West Hollywood. But uh, we decided to Uber to literally every, like, I think it was like two meetings a day, Ubering all around LA. And I don't know if anybody has been to LA who's listening, but it's huge. It's huge. So it, you, you, you're going to be spending a lot on Ubers if you're not driving yourself. Um, but it was so worth it. We met so many incredible people. We met, I finally, cause I didn't actually work physically on the tiger hunter. I was more of like, um, remotely working on that. A seal actually went to LA for three months for that. And, um, sorry for a month. And uh, like we, we met with the producer, we went with the director there. Um, we met with a bunch of, a a lot of people who'd worked with other, you know, bigger movie stars there. So it was fun. Um, you mentioned the tiger hunter, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a film that you have worked on more recently. Um, I believe as an intern and as a researcher for that Mm -hmm. film, uh, it stars Danny Pudi, John, uh, Danny Pudi, John Heater, and Kevin Polak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Polak, The Usual Suspects. Danny mm-hmm. Pudi from NBC's yep. The com- uh, Community. John Heater, Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, how did you get involved in this one? So the crazy. This is a crazy story, actually. The director of this film, Lena Khan, she had a blog, and I think it was called Lena Makes a Movie, and I followed it for a while because hello, like brown like female Muslim with a hijab is making a movie in Hollywood, like get out of here. Like I want to be part of this because you don't ever see that. So I was so excited. And a movie about a young immigrant too, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, it's very hard to think that, you know, that is happening, let alone that it's being made and big stars are going to be on it. But, um, I basically followed this blog and then she started, she did a Kickstarter, I believe to raise money for the film and, Um, throughout that process eventually I kind of just emailed her one day and I said I need to work for you and then she was like I think she was just like who is this like who are you (laughs) (laughs) and then I was like listen like I think she had like an opening for like a graphic design thing and I was like oh I'll do that perfect I'll just do whatever you want and then she gave me her like Skype thing her Skype address Mm -hmm. and then we just talked one day and she was like I'm driving right now like I don't know where she was driving to but she's always doing something like what's crazy about the director of this film is that right now she's like working on TV shows and like movie um TV pilots and like movies and like it's just she's always doing something and I find that so inspiring um but uh yeah that's how I came, came onto the film and she was like sure and I started to do graphic design for her and then there was a lot of like researching and I was just basically on working on that film as an kind of like a remote intern really she would like email me and a bunch of others people like a bunch of other interns with just tasks for us to do and we kind of like in small ways helped her make the film uh looking at the trailer for the film Mm -hmm. uh, i haven't seen the movie myself Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of color appropriate attire for the 70s yeah uh that seemed to be one of the focal points Uh, what was your role like what did you research uh to be able to make the film happen so there are little things like, for example, um, there's a picture picture car in the film, like mm-hmm. a big, big, big part of the film is like this car that he drives. And uh, in one of our meetings, we would always um, kind of set up meetings, maybe like Sunday mornings go- via Google Hangout. And we would be on on a hangout with like maybe like eight to 10 people and Lena would be at the helm of it and she would just tell us what needs to be done, what needs to be researched. And so... We were like, I I was tasked to literally find this car 
And um, I, I don't think I ended up finding it myself, but there was just like this, like these little tasks that she would just like throw at us that were like way bigger than we thought. Like finding the picture car and it ended up being such a big part of the film. And we had to find, like I was living, I'm living in Windsor. So I'm just like calling places in LA asking for a car and to, for them to like email me pictures. And then it had to be specifically a car from a specific time with a specific color because it had to kind of be part of that color palette. Uh-huh. And then it had to be a card that they could beat up a little bit and dirty up a little bit. So it was such a, like those little kind of tasks were kind of like what we did. And, and uh, just, we haven't mentioned yet the, um, the, what is the film? What is the premise of the film? The premise of the film is this man who, his name is Sammy Malik, and he, deci- he decides to leave India and immigrate to the States to become a very successful person, like the American dream. And um, he basically wants to, I think he's an engineer, and he, he works um, to kind of impress this girl from back home and because he really wants to marry her and it's kind of like that just like you know searching for the american dream um and it's it's a very it's a very feel-good movie i think um it's it's both a comedy and a little bit of drama um and i think i think danny pudi he just brings something to it that was so different from his character in community because he is hilarious in community but there is like this like realness to him in this film that like i don't think a lot of people get to see Okay, and have you seen the film yet? I have, I have. She sent us an early cut of it before I think it was um, colored, but when the picture, they had it on picture lock, which is basically the film was like just edited in full and just completed. And uh, I was able to see it like that um, online. And I think that's like such a cool thing about Lena is that she's so inclusive. Like she really wanted us to see it and just be part of it, even though like we had such small roles, I think, working on this film with her. Um, and then eventually it came out in theaters and we weren't able to see it in theaters because it was only playing at some point in the States and then it was hard for us to like go over there, um, in Michigan, but it's actually now, um, available on DVD. Nice. Yes. It just came out like, I think what, last week. So you've worked on large films mm-hmm. now working on the Tiger Hunter. Uh, you've worked on smaller films, mm-hmm. um, the card on girls. Um, what do you feel the biggest difference between, small projects and large projects for film is i think it all depends on um the role that you're playing because with the smaller films most likely you have a much bigger part in bringing that film to life um and not to say that you know not having a small having a smaller role is is any like it's bad or it's it's not better it's definitely like you know every every, every experience is different but the difference, I think, is um, you learn so much working on smaller films. It's kind of like Kim Nelson used to tell us in screenwriting class, in order to write better movies, watch bad movies. And it was so, such a profound thing because I think last week I just saw another, like a really bad movie. And I just found myself like not critiquing it, but being like, I think I, I would do it differently just because of my, like, my um, opinion or my expertise if you want to call it that but um i think the biggest thing is you learn a lot more when you're working on a smaller film because most likely your role is like kind of dependent on you know you're you're it's dependent on a lot of huge things that really show up in the film you've worked on some stuff more recently um one thing i want to talk about that i watched and was was legitimately floored watching was uh a sexual assault psa you did for a local police um for local police can you tell us what that shoot was like 
and maybe a little bit more about the project? Sure. So uh, a friend of mine named Nico, he work uh, he works for this. Um, he worked for himself for a while, but he recently decided to join forces with his friends um, to make a production company. And they've been working together for a while, but just to make it a production company, I think that kind of um, uh, attracted a lot of like more a lot more clients, I guess. And so the Windsor Police Services decided to approach them about making um, a few short docs. And then eventually they were like, we want to make a PSA. And basically this PSA was about like just highlighting, you know, the dangers of like sexual assault and that you should report them. That's really what the message was. And um, that experience was really educational as well. I feel like I'm always learning now much more than I even did before because now I'm like working on a lot of other different things. And... um, that was a very very stressful experience only because we didn't have much time so we had to cast we had to find locations we had to um just kind of write this the story i think the windsor police really liked it um only because windsor doesn't really do that kind of thing they don't really produce like commercials like that so i think it was like a proud moment for us and so i watched it it's 60 seconds Mm -hmm. and it's a, a woman and a man on a bus Mm -hmm. uh they you know give each other a look it's very Mm -hmm. cute the music is very very fluttery and very light Mm -hmm. um she's very excited that you know she met this this new man Mm -hmm. um they exchange phone numbers Mm -hmm. they go out on dates i think they go out on two dates and then he takes her to his apartment and at about the 50 second mark and like i'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it but at the 50 minute or the 50 second mark um the music just turns and he comes on to her without permission and mm-hmm. it just takes a total different turn was that a hard sh- uh was that a hard thing to shoot because some of the scenes that were shot were very graphic even though they were only on screen for a split second mm-hmm. it was it was um i think i don't know if a lot of people are like this but as a producer and i'm on set i tend to really feel like the mother hen and um Uh, Working with the actors, Somerville and Heath, they were really incredible and very professional. I mean, I feel like every single time we called cut, I felt like I was always like coming up to her and saying like, are you okay? Are you you guys good? Just because it is so brave to be able to just be on camera, let alone do something like that. And, um, and uh, it's, it does scar you. Like it does, you take, I feel like actors, they take a little bit of their roles with them wherever they go and um i definitely felt like being one of the only women working on that project um it was such a controversial like topic that i we had to just be very careful about how we told the story and especially for you know victims to watch this it had to be something that didn't just freak them out or trigger them we had to kind of make it feel like you know like reporting a sexual assault is so important because like they're not like at all reported. And I think the, the overall experience for this project was just working on story. Story is like so important. And I feel like a lot of filmmakers, um, they, they just, that's something that they don't pay as much as attention to as they need to. And, um, it's so so difficult to tell a normal story let alone like a normal story what i mean by that is a story that's about 
you know, a guy and a girl and they fall in love, like a typical, like not super controversial topic. And then you bring in something like this and it's like, you have to be so careful. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and story, like, I don't know. I just, I can't reiterate that enough. So you'd be surprised at how much films look and sound and have incredible music. But at the end of the day, they're not good because they don't have good stories. I was very surprised by it. And I guess that's the, the feeling that you were go, going for is that exactly as you said, a lot of these things go unreported. They go mm-hmm. under the radar. Mm-hmm. And that's 100% not how they should how it should be. Mm-hmm. You and I met at the Windsor International Film Festival. Um, one of your films, The Card, was also screened at the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your involvement been uh, with the festival over the years? I started off um, when I was in university, there's a course that they offer in the visual arts program called visual arts internship. And um, usually the visual arts students, they go for things like working at a gallery or things like that. But because I'm like such a crazy movie person, I was like, let me check out this festival. I've always heard about it. And um, basically my counselor approached Vincent Georgie and who is the executive director of the festival. And he, the first thing he said to me when I met with him in his office was, I think I need to put you in box office. I think you'd be, you'd work great there. And so ever since, I think that was four years ago, I've just been just attached to the box office. They're like my family. And it's, it's always such an incredible experience. It's such a crazy two weeks of the year. What's, uh, what makes WIF so special compared to other film festivals that you may have been to? WIF is really special because of how personal people, how personal it is. When people come to the festival, I feel like they're taken care of. And it's not so much of like this big monster of a festival. It's like this, it's, it it actually serves like such a huge audience, yet it feels like every person knows every other person's name. And I feel like that's so important when people come in and they want to see a film, they're not just seeing like one film, they're seeing a few films a day and like, that environment to make it like as friendly and as rewarding as possible for that like personal touch to it is is it's so important and everyone cares so much everyone anyone who volunteers or works at the festival doesn't do it for anything but the fact that they love the people there they love working for the festival because they they know that it's such a sense of community and i think it's one of the best things windsor has to offer uh this is these are the final questions i have for you Mm -hmm. so what comes next what comes next? Yeah. I decided this year that I would um, just focus on being constant and being um, consistent. And the reason why I say that is because I kind of basically took a break last year where I, it might seem that I was doing a lot of work, but I was not. And I only say that because there's this pressure to just keep doing, to keep making things. And I'm coming to a point, I'm 24 years old. I've been out of school for a bit and I just feel like that pressure is only natural and I just have to accept it and kind of ride with the wave because there is no way that I can suddenly be like as successful as I think I'm going to be without, without like giving myself a break every now and then. So what's next is that I just want to focus on just being consistent and just working working on my photography and just every now and then something will come to me and you know like works like producing stuff and eventually uh, I'm hoping at the end of this year I'll be able to finish writing a script and maybe make a movie by next year 
Uh, do you have any uh, advice for any aspiring young filmmakers? I, I get inspired by people who work super hard, but also are super aware of who they are. And what I mean by that is you can't go into an industry like this thinking that you're going to be like, super successful like as or you're gonna you're gonna succeed exactly the way you think other people will and not because of the way you look but because everybody has a different experience like my favorite directors out there most of them haven't even gone to film school so for a while i was killing myself over the fact that i didn't go to film school i was like oh my god i can't be a filmmaker if i didn't go to film school and that's something that like i think young people have to realize it does not matter what school you go to or what you do. If you want to do something, you'll do it. Like if you are passionate enough, you will do it. You just have to ask yourself, are you going to do it? Are you going to go to that distance? But more specifically with, with kids that have, let's say like parents, you know, and any kid, like it doesn't, they don't, they don't have to be like a Muslim kid or like a Brown kid or whatever it is. But any, any person who wants to do what they want to do, like their passion, I find that it's you just have to tell yourself that it's not going to be easy. And I think every all the pressure just kind of like melts away because suddenly you're like, OK, this is the path I'm going to I'm going to go on. Um, it might sound a little bit vague, but everybody has their own like path. So if I were to say my own specific path, people can't see that and be like, that's the only way to do it. You know, not to say that I'm in any way successful, but I would just like say that, you know, you have your own path and like, it's not going to be easy no matter who you are. Like you're, every person's gonna, gonna, you know, uh, have to work through something that's super hard and like nobody else will have to go through that either. You know, for me, it was definitely just admitting it's crazy to say, but it's just admitting to myself that I wanted to do this was so difficult. Like you don't even understand even now, like people ask me, they're like, are you, what do you do? And it's like, my end goal is like, okay, I always want to be a writer director. That's like always been the thing, but I can't say that like as easily as like it sounds right now. Like if I was just to talk to someone, I'd be like, I'm a filmmaker. It's such a safe word. Cause we def, I definitely do more than just like, you know, I definitely do more producing work than anything else right now because the great, the great part about producing is like the creative control, but also, um, kind of feeling like that mother hen feeling i definitely like own that feeling i love that feeling the arts are very difficult oh my god so yeah. difficult but not only difficult to do but also difficult to sell to people who are not part of the arts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um last question um if there's one person i won't specify actor writer director mm -hmm. that you could work with who would you want to work with dead or alive <laughs> i've never been asked that Hmm. I want to work with Ava DuVernay. Okay. For those who don't know who Ava is, mm -hmm. uh, what is what are some of the things that she's done? Ava directed um, a film called Selma. Ava DuVernay works with this like vigor that like I find so inspiring to the point where I'm like o almost overwhelmed because for her is that she knows exactly who she is and she like she's so passionate about what she's doing. It's it's so hard sometimes when you talk about your idols, you're almost like. I don't even know how to describe them because they're they're just amazing. And I just the only thing I can ask people to do is to look look up Ava DuVernay because um, she's breaking through so many stereotypes right now, especially. And I think one of the most inspiring thing about things about her is that she didn't start off as a filmmaker. I think she started working as a like an actual director 
when she was in her 30s. And it was like just starting out. Like it wasn't like, oh, I think I want to do this in my 20s or I think I want to do it. No, she. I think she was doing something completely different before that. And now she's like the top of the top, in my opinion. And um, I'm just so, I'm so glad there's somebody out there like her because she makes everything that is normal, not normal, if that makes any sense. She makes everything like seem possible. Great. That's it. We did it. Thank you. Awesome. That's our show. A big thank you to Nuha LLM. She is a Windsor-based filmmaker and photographer. If you want to follow her work, you can go to NuhaLLM.com. That is N-U-H-A-E-L-A-L-E-M.com. Or follow her on Instagram at Photos by Nuha, N-U-H-A. The short she mentioned during the show, The Card, is available for viewing on YouTube or at thecardshortfilm.com. The two tracks that you heard in the episode today are Highway 26 by Foxheart Fishman and How Deep Is Down by Baby God. If you want to follow me on social media, you can do so at Jacob McCourt. And to find all of the episodes of No Coaster Needed, you can go to nocoasterneeded.com or your favorite podcasting service. Thanks for listening.